Okay, so this week I'm joined by Josh Holtz. Josh Holtz is a lead maintainer of Fastlane Tools. He has a software engineering agency called Rockin' Cat. And he's currently working away on an indie app called Otter, a cool little app for RSS. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Josh, I'm I'm super keen to uh, to get to know you a little better here, and um, I'm wondering, like, how did you get started with everything? How did you get into all of this? Ah, uh, so we go we go back probably 15, 16 years, I think, is when uh, I first started doing development. Um, I was looking at uh, elective classes to take uh, in in high school. And I was looking at some uh, some art classes or uh, like business classes, um, and then my, my dad suggested that I take a programming class because um, he's been a programmer uh, for, for like thirty five years now. Right, and it was kind of a, a good way to kind of see like what what he does. Um, I liked I liked a lot of like math at the time, but I also liked being creative too, which is why I was also looking at like art elective classes. Uh, but I ended up taking uh the first first um programming class uh that that I could in my sophomore year and it was for visual basic 5 i think is what it was at the time um yeah. and uh i didn't really know too much about anything before then i may have done a little bit of html stuff on myspace um that's probably the extent of anything that i've done um, but uh I remember the first day of class, I created some some program, something simple with a button, changed a label, and uh, I fell in love with programming. Like it's it's really weird, but like I knew I knew that day that uh, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Like it just it just wow. hit me that yeah, it was it was a very weird feeling. Um, but that was kind kind of what uh, what started it all. Uh, so then. I uh I kept doing classes um throughout throughout high school. Uh that the first one was just a semester long for Visual Basic. The next one was HTML and JavaScript. Um and then the next year was the final one, which was my junior year. Uh, it ended up being a Java class. I think it was Java 4. Um and uh Loved that one. Uh, I started doing programming uh, at home for fun, um, and I realized I wanted to keep going, but my school didn't offer anything for me to take my senior year, so I asked my teacher if I could do an independent study, um, so I ended up doing another full year of Java where I developed uh, my own my own Java app, app that uh, talked to a uh, Microsoft Access database, I think. I think that's what... Yep it hit um so uh outside of there still i was doing programming on my own at home my parents actually bought me a virtual private server and uh my domain for christmas one year so i did php and mysql for fun uh one of my friends got me an ubuntu 5.10 disc uh one of those years so i took an old computer at home plugged that in and uh started linuxing away which that was probably one of like the, the the best things that probably helps me out today is that's where I kind of learned Linux and command line and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Which, 
uh, I remember there was one day where I actually broke the graphical interface uh, when configuring some cool graphics with Compass Fusion, which like you got like yep. this cute, cool like cube workspace sphere and did all this cool I stuff. I remember that. But uh, I completely busted it, so that's the day I learned Vim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I I remember that day a lot because I I was freaking out. Uh, but I had my friend help me help me walk me through Vim over the phone. Um, have you managed Have you managed to quit yet? Uh, quit Vim. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I actually use Vim uh, full time as my editor besides Xcode. Yeah, uh, it it's it's my favorite one by far. I'll event, sometimes jump into uh, VS Code if I need to do something weird, look at things in a different way. If it's a new project, I'll usually open it in VS Code first, kind of get like a bigger understanding of the project architecture. But as soon as I yeah. can kind of like see things, then Vim is the way I go. So uh, that's kind of where that's kind of where my my Vim usage started. Um, awesome. And from and from there, I knew I wanted to keep doing uh, programming uh, as a career. Um, so I was looking between either doing computer computer science or uh, software engineering was kind of a, a newer field that was popping up, and that was around two thousand six. Um, yeah. 2006, there was only like 10 schools in the U.S. that offered uh, offered software engineering, um, and really? one was uh, yeah yeah, which uh, it, it it grew insanely fast uh, after I chose my school, um, but one of them was was actually a half hour away at the Milwaukee School of Engineering, uh, so that's where I ended up going. And then well, at Milwaukee School of Engineering, uh, we did mainly Java, but I kept doing uh, my own programming on the side. I got a Ruby book, uh, I think the summer before college. So I did a lot of Ruby, which is also fun because that's what I mainly do these days. Um, didn't know that that book was actually going to be that useful, but that's probably one of the <laughs> best books that I've ever uh, received. And then uh, I also started doing Android development. I think my junior year of college, I saw somebody with an Android phone. I think it was the, I think it was called the G1. It was the T-Mobile one that kind of like slid up or something like that, kind of like a sidekick, but not 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 super like a sidekick. Yeah, kind of remember those. Yeah, it was. It still is a super cool phone. I don't know how anybody looks at that screen size anymore because it was it was tiny. But yeah. I was like, I wanna I wanna make apps for that. So I had Eclipse installed already from doing school stuff. Installed the Android plugin and started making my first app without having a phone. Um, but that's kind of what got me into mobile and I got really hooked into that. Uh, I think a year or so later before I graduated college, I ended up getting a 11 inch MacBook air. Um, that's when I started yeah. doing my iOS development and I used that 11 inch MacBook air probably for like four years up until when Swift came out and I needed something a little more powerful because that thing could not compile Swift beta six. No. Not yeah, at so all. I remember some of. I remember seeing some of that going on at the time, because um, I, I oh, maybe a little after actually, um, sort of twenty sixteen time. I was going to a co working space quite a bit, and there were a few people there still rocking some of those MacBook Airs, and they were on their last legs at that point. That was my favorite laptop. Well, mm, sorry, my second favorite laptop. My new favorite is my MacBook Air M one. I. Ha- I had to go yeah. back to the MacBook Air just because it was like the best form factor. Um, and this one is the most powerful computer I've ever had, so totally worth it. Um, yep. But 
I I love that first one. I've I've definitely got a soft spot for the the MacBook Air form factor as well. Um, I had the the 2010 13 inch. Okay. Yeah, and that that was that was a cool machine at the time. I don't like anything with too big of a screen because I I end up getting distracted with all the real estate. I have too many things open. I like a nice small screen so that I'm like focused in on just like just Xcode or something like that. So yeah, I guess that's uh, going back. That was kind of like uh, up through my schooling, kind of where like I've I kind of figured out what what like programming language and tools industry I kind of like to do throughout school. Uh, all four years, I had a an, an internship at a uh, enterprise financial company, um, and I did a lot of Java there. And I kind of wanted to try something new uh, post graduation, so I ended up going to a company called rockwell collins where they do aircraft kind of things they they like make displays like on an aircraft any sort of aircraft computer type of thing and i got i got hired on to the like internal graphic display group where i'd be doing like low level like c kind of graphic utilities that are used in all the displays that go in all of the airplanes and i thought that was super cool but they ended up changing groups on me to the Blackhawk group, which I was like, that seems super cool because like Blackhawk helicopters, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it turned out they were in a four-year testing phase, which meant I was just checking things off in a binder on paper and pushing buttons on the displays and not actually programming. Oh no. So oh, it was it was bad. I was I was so miserable. Like it was like it was I was really depressed coming home from work. Um, yeah. I would. Go, I would, I would go home during lunch and just like sleep because it was, it was, it was not fun. Um, I wrote 10 lines of code the whole time there. And the 10 lines of code I wrote was for me automating something. So uh, after, after two months, I told my manager, I'm like, I'm, I'm out. And he was like, yeah. uh, are you sure? Like nobody quits here. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm not happy. And he said that uh, if I ever was to try and come back, I probably wouldn't get back in i'm like that's that's okay i'm not i'm not i'm not terribly hurt like if this is the like oh well, i didn't say this but if, like if this is the only job that like i could i could take like i'm in the wrong field and i knew i wanted mm-hmm. to go back to doing something mobile and at the time me and a few of my friends from school uh were moonlighting a startup um we got uh we got some funding for uh some seed funding and we're in an incubator for a travel startup called Jaunt. Uh, and it was similar to what Airbnbs, like, uh, I think Airbnb added this like two or three years ago, where you can like look for like tours and activities around where you're staying. And we kind of had a platform for like local tours. Uh, there could either be a, a physical tour guide there or like a virtual tour. And uh, the day that we actually had our, lo- or our, uh, like launch presentation was also the final day of my job. Um, and I was like, this feels, this feels good. And we actually like got interest in funding, but we were all young and weren't really interested in a travel startup yeah. since we didn't really travel, but we were like, we, we kind of like building cool things. So that's kind of how rock and cat started is the same team that did that, that, that startup. We, uh, we started the software consulting firm. Um, and I was the first one to go full time since I kind of YOLO quit my job. Um, (laughs) 
And then uh, everybody else wasn't really a fan of their enterprise jobs. So like once I was full of work, somebody else started. Uh, once he was full of work, somebody else started. Um, so we, we dominoed five of us working full time within about like nine months. That's brilliant. Um, and then Rock and Cat uh, has been around since 2011. Um, and we're at uh, 10 employees right now. That's, that's great. So that's kind of my, my long history. That, that's awesome. So you, you've got your sort of core group of, of initial founders for Rock and Cat, but then you've been able to hire other people in since mm-hmm. and sort of ex- expand the company. Yeah, and uh, most of our hires are actually pretty pretty green. Um, I think majority of them were actually interns um, that we've brought on full-time. Um, yeah. We kind of like like the idea of helping people grow. Um, so it's 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 challenging, but it's a lot more fun and rewarding to kind of see them where they are today versus where they started out. I think it helps you as a, a developer actually to have that that experience, like as you become more senior. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, like I can appreciate it's it's a lot of work, but but also it's good work. You know, it's improving yourself as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like it's 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 easy teaching yourself things, but it is challenging trying to teach somebody else. So you do kind of learn, you, uh, you learn and grow by kind of that knowledge transfer. Um, and we got, we got pretty good at hiring, uh, interns and kind of like junior developers. I have no idea how to hire a senior developer, but, uh, we don't, we're not really going down that, uh, that channel right now. No. And I guess you can hope as well that if, if people are growing from from internship and from being junior, that some of those eventually over time will progress to, to a senior level anyway. Oh, yeah. We have a few that are like top notch right now. Like I'm super yeah. impressed by them. That's, um, that's awesome. Because then you've got people who are, who are really hitting their stride, but they've also got the, uh, the context and the way mm-hmm. of working that your company has as well. Yeah, and then and then they can kind of help the new people on. So it kind of helps us as partners kind of scale because the, we transferred our knowledge to them and then they kind of transferred their knowledge to our newest people. That's fantastic. Is is the agency all about iOS dev or is it kind of a, a mix of things? No, it's actually it's actually a mix of things. Um we don't really have a bunch of native developers. Um it's uh, when we started off, it was mainly uh, back-end web and front-end. Um, we were mainly a Ruby shop from back-end. Um, yep. And front-end really depended on what was trendy at the time and what our clients needed. I think we started off with, like, CoffeeScript on the front-end with some, like, Knockout JS, if that rings a bell to anybody. Um but uh, these days, front end, we do a lot of Angular and React, depending on what the client wants. And back in these days, we do what the client wants. Our go-to is Elixir. Um, my business partner uh, is on the core contributor team of the Phoenix framework for Elixir, which is the biggest web framework that's out there. I, I believe I'm not super into it, but uh, it's, it's, it's super good. And Elixir is like mega performant. So that's kind of what we kind of uh, lean towards for most of our clients. But we, but we still on the back end sometimes do some 
some node or whatever they need. Um, but that's kind of the majority of the team is more more web based. A lot of our mobile stuff is done in Ionic, mainly because that's what our our client base kind of uh, needs slash wants. Um, yeah, we don't we don't main like maintain a lot of the things that we create because uh, it is expensive for our clients, but we do pass it on to to their teams. And Ionic is is really great for passing it on to a team who's not who's not like very native native mobile um, ready, I guess. Yeah. But we do flex into native dev for some specialty stuff. So a lot of my work in the past has been native. An Android guy that we have too does a lot of that when we need it. But we do we do tend to flex a lot, which I think has made a lot of us grow as developers. That's super cool. It's it's good to have that kind of um, range of experience going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh, doing a lot of backend development, I think has made me a better iOS developer because, like, I am aware of like how how backends actually work because I've made a lot of them. I haven't made great ones, but I have I have made some, so I know kind of what to expect a lot. Yeah, it's it's a a working knowledge of the other side of the fence. Exactly. I kind of wanted to talk to your your fast lane involvement. Yeah. So you mentioned before we started recording that you made your first PR for fast lane. What back in January 2015? Correct. Yeah. And so from there, how did that progress into sort of becoming a lead maintainer? Yeah. So um, I I didn't really know that I needed fast lane until it it came out. Um, we were doing quite a few native apps at the time and mainly me cause I was really the only native developer we had and they were, they were small apps, uh, nothing that needed to be like be maintained a lot, but there were quite a few that were going on and I realized a lot of, a lot of my day was actually building and like releasing Android apps, iOS apps. And like, it got exhausting where the point where I'm like, I'm not actually like making anything. I'm just pushing stuff out. So Orda uh, sent a tweet out on uh, November in 2014 to be like, hey, like, Krause FX is doing some cool CLI tool stuff. And I'm like, huh, who's this Krause FX guy? Uh, so I started to, like, pay attention, and uh, Felix then released Fastlane end of 2014, beginning of 2015, and I was like, I can actually, like, use this stuff. Um, I have Ruby experience from that book that I got back in 2000. 2007 um i do native dev i'm like this is like a perfect combination of like what i need so my first pr was actually into uh what's called uh screenshot oh my god yeah screenshot right screenshot sounds about right (laughs) um the one where you uh there there's so many tools that i can't snapshot there we go i was like there we go the android one is screen grab there we go Snapshot was the first one I actually had a PR in. Uh, there was I don't remember what it was, but there was some issue I think with uh, calling one of the command line tools. So I made a PR that had like a big description explaining what was going on, what changed, um, a lot of like screenshots and things. And uh, Felix actually liked the content of my PR and was like, "Hey, do you want to like be a core contributor?" And I'm like, "Okay, that sounds cool." Um, I didn't really know what what that really meant or what it was going to lead into. Um, 
but I ended up using Fastlane a lot more in our day-to-day work for all of our clients, automating all the things. And then I actually actually ended up doing a bunch of uh, fast, like actual Fastlane consulting for clients where I was building out their CI systems. A lot of them were for like white labeled applications. So like there was one where even on like the smallest code change, it was taking them like three weeks to build, release all the things because it had like hundreds of apps in both the App Store and Google Play. And right. we ended up getting it down to uh, one one command that would build all the things and take like uh, three to six hours or so. So like it was it was super cool to build. I'm like, all right, like Fastlane is super powerful. Yeah. So I got to learn Fastlane more from like the outside user perspective while still being a, a core contributor and adding small things here and there. So then in 2018, at that time, Google uh, ended up acquiring Fastlane. Um, they were working on another like Fastlane-related CI tool, and that was Felix's main job. Um, so they needed somebody yeah. to like step in and maintain like the actual core part. Um, so that's when he asked me to become the lead maintainer. And for the first, for the for the for the first two years, it was mainly just kind of a a part time gig since I still had like the day job doing uh, consulting. Um, but I was getting like part-time compensated to do lead maintaining stuff, um, which was super nice, but it required, I mainly do this, do the maintaining like mornings, nights, weekends. So luckily, um, I was able to have like a pretty flexible schedule to do that, but it did get a little, uh, a little tiring and I wanted to be able to give fast lane, like the full 40 hours a week that it needs. So in July of last year, 2020, I ended up being able to uh, get sponsored to work on it full time. So that that was only actually going through end of last year. And I just signed another six month full time sponsor uh, yesterday. So there was a small lapse in my in my full time sponsorship in January, but I knew it was going to come, so I didn't really care too much. Yeah. But uh, we'll be we'll be doing same thing again full time uh, for the next six months, which feels super great because there's so many things that I want to like improve and change. It's fantastic. So from from that PR back in 2015, <laughs> yeah, all the way through to to being employed to do so. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a dream come true. It's it's very weird to think about like how it actually happened. If you would have told me like this would have happened back back then, probably wouldn't have believed you at all. So you're you're sounding like a super busy person. You've you've got your <laughs> consultancy that you're um a partner of in, in Rocking Cat, you're lead maintaining fast lane. That's already sounding busy. But that's not the only thing, is it, that you've been working on? You've got Otter as well. Yes, which is one of my, I guess, handful of side projects. But that's the, that's the one that is the biggest one right now and that has my, has my main focus. So tell me a little bit about Otter. It's, it's an RSS reader, isn't it? Yes. So uh, the, the story of how Otter started is actually kind of weird slash long. So doing like a lot of like mobile automation and stuff uh i i i i wanted to like become an end user of it again um since like in order to 
better provide customer support. Like I need to actually like understand what the customers do. So uh, being lead maintainer since 2018, I didn't really end up creating my own mobile apps probably for about two years. So this year I'm like, I kind of want to like feel what it's like to become a user again and kind of see where the current pain points are. Um, I kind of have sample projects then that I can I can use to to kind of test um, things that were changing. Yeah, and I also wanted I also kind of got a got a kind of got a hooked into the indie dev community last year. So like I might as well make an app that uh, uh, is like an indie dev feeling app, so I can like cover that feeling a little bit and then automate it and kind of get like that. But I also want to learn Swift UI at the time since it it uh it looks super cool so yeah otter was not actually the first app that i was going to create i had one called y'all trippin um which i don't know if you saw me tweet about that no. uh end of or middle of last year but um it was a uh the the idea is kind of to have a a checklist of things that you usually pack um in like suitcases or bags when you go somewhere so like if you like I had a bag template that I had like a like a long weekend trip um, where I knew to pack yeah. like three pairs of pants and then the correct number of shirts and a toothbrush and all this kind of stuff because I would always forget what I need to do. And I had like a bag for like the lake weekend that makes sure I always had like lake stuff, like life jacket, uh, wakeboarding gloves, things like that. Because um, I, yeah. I, I kept forgetting. So I also had like dog bag. Um, so I ended up creating this app in SwiftUI. And while creating this, I realized I was looking at a bunch of blogs that I needed to like stay updated on. And I never could find an RSS reader that like sat well with me. Um, I tried Reader 4, I've tried others, and I really didn't also want to pay a monthly subscription for something because I wasn't like a heavy RSS reader. I just wanted something. Um, And I really wanted something that had iCloud syncing. Um, cause I was heavy user of my iPad pro Mac and iPhone, and I didn't always have all the things at me at once. So I wanted to like have the blogs I was reading, uh, kind of stay informed on all my devices. So I was like, I'll make it seems fine. Um, so I didn't <laughs> make it right away. I started doing some planning and some research and like, okay, like here's what I can use for iCloud syncing. Here's what I can use for parsing RSS feeds. So that when I actually like went to go do it, I, I was kind of like focused and I could just, just go do it. So I ended up creating like the roughest version possible of an Otter RSS, I think in like four hours on a Friday afternoon, like basic Swift UI, like list, nothing, nothing styled. It showed like the title of the feed and then the feed then had a, when when you tapped on it, it went to list of all the articles and you tapped on it. And then it launched in the Safari view. And like, that was all I cared about. Um, it showed what yeah. was read, what was not read. It synced over iCloud uh, using the cloud kit core data Xcode project template, which I have regrets about right now. Um, but that's a different <laughs> talk. Yep. So that's kind of where it started was it was really just meant for me to stay informed so I could create y'all tripping properly. And then I think I tweeted about it. People are like, oh, this is, this is cool. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll make it somewhat prettier and put it on test flight. And then uh, I saw that the airport.community came out where like, it was like the app store, but for test flight. And I'm like, okay, I guess like, we'll, we'll throw it on there. And then I got like 500 testers who were like, this is perfect. I'm like, okay. So 
I guess I'll keep improving it and just keep it on test flight, and that's fine. And then the builds kept expiring, and I'm like, I'm really sick of making new builds just for them to like expire down the road. So I was like, so in January of this year, I was like, I'll push it to the App Store. Like, builds won't expire. People want to use it. Great. It'll be free. Great. I made it for me. Apparently, people like using it. So now it, it, it turned from a small like side app for me to use for another app with some experimentation of iCloud to uh, the main side project that I'm now working on. Um, and it's cool because like I still actually use it day to day. And that's kind of, it, it's, it's fun to work on a side project that like, not only that you're passionate about, but also one that you can kind of keep using and learn and like become a user and uh, kind of like, it's not as much work because you're not doing it for other people. You're also doing it for yourself. So yes, that's, that, that's kind of where Otter RSS started. And I still didn't finish the other app. But uh, I'm not really traveling anywhere because pandemic. So <laughs> it can wait. <laughs> it yeah. can wait. It can wait. <laughs> oh, I I've been a, a tester of Otter um, along the way as well, and anybody that know, knows me at all knows that I really really love otters. So like you you hooked me in just yes. with the logo with the little otter. I I have to fully commit when uh, I make a new project. Like it's not just going to be named like rss app like it 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 had to be something a little bit like either punchy or stupid or cute it had to have like go over the top somewhere um so like i wasn't gonna release it if i didn't have a good name for it so i don't know where that name came from or like when it came from but i was like okay that's a cool name i was like i need a ridiculous app icon too like some of my first icons were just terrible one looked like a monkey that was like squished (laughs) it was terrible um i should probably put that one as an alternate app icon it was it was bad um and i went with like a sea urchin which is in there right now as an alternate app icon and i'm like yep. it's it doesn't feel ottery though like it's it complements the otter but it's not the otter and then uh i think i remember i'm like i really like the app logo for duolingo the yeah the the parrot face that takes up the whole the whole app icon so i was like that but an otter so then i had like 50 tabs open of like otter faces one night and i'm 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 <laughs> terrible at sketch and i try to put it together i i had something good um and a few of my coworkers were like uh have offered to help so we they they helped me turn this like decent looking otter into one that actually was able to look like an app icon by like adding like proper line width to like make it look good on small things and then i had him holding a seashell and one of them was like you could turn it into the rss logo itself so i don't know if many people know that but the 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 shell that the otter is holding is an rss logo shell so like it 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 went it went way over the top and i was super happy with it it's brilliant thank you thank you yeah i've i've had i've had the 50 otter tabs uh open experience myself actually <laughs> did you were you trying to draw an otter <laughs> yeah um i've got an otter tattoo oh do you um on, on my arm i don't think we yeah you um, can't really show me it right now since we're, we're uh audio based but i kind of want to see this yeah it's um it's it's kind of like a line work sort of drawing okay. so uh it, it doesn't look literally exactly like an otter but but yeah just before we moved out to New Zealand, actually, that that was one of my um, 
leaving the UK sort of presents to myself. That's awesome. Uh, I yeah, many many otter pictures. <laughs> I I've been meaning to turn otter's RSS feed into just like an otter a week picture. Just find like some random otter and add it to the RSS yep. feed. Which I should probably just like automate that at this point, since yep. I I have been meaning to do that for weeks now. So maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have that all set up. Hopefully. hundred uh, percent. I'll I'll be subscribed. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that's kind of uh that's that's otter. It, it didn't really mean to exist, but th- that's those are kind of the fun projects. Yeah. Yeah, it's great when you sort of happen upon something in, in that way. So you had like several hundred people uh subs- using the app yeah. through test flight. Uh when you launched it, what what was the launch process like for Otter? Was it kind of just like so, soft launching out there or I uh when I launched in Otter, my son was born a few weeks before. Um, so I wasn't like really working and I didn't have a ton of time to actually like do any development. So in between like him feeding, crying, sleeping, or while he was doing that and I was holding him, I was thinking of like trying to put a big launch strategy together because I never really done that before. I'm not the best marketer. Um, and I want to try and like, yeah check that checkbox of like, okay, let's, let's actually like, even though like, I, I I don't really, I'm not, I don't really super care. Like if, if this takes off or not, I want to have fun with the launch. Um, so during, during those, those nights of being awake, I was like, how can I make this RSS app stand out? And I was like, I don't like, it doesn't really necessarily compete with reader and reader five came out, which actually I think added cloud cloud kit support. Um, so I was like, well, that's kind of the reason I created this app. I was like, I need something like to make this stand on. I was like, it's, it's the most okayest and minimalistic RSS app out there. So that was kind of like my, my marketing technique was to, uh, make it seem not great where people weren't disappointed, but also kind of wanted to experience like the most basic RSS app. Um, and in doing that, I actually think I got a lot of users who were afraid of RSS at the time and like didn't understand it. And I've got a bunch of emails saying like, I never understood RSS, but like now I understand it. And I think that was kind of how I developed it was I didn't understand RSS. I I tried it. I couldn't figure out. So I actually like got deep into it and made an app that did it. And I developed it in a way where like it, it made it in terms that I could like use it and understand it. So my kind of marketing technique was more like, hey, like, yeah. basic app, minimalistic. It's it's okay. If you want to try it, great. At least it has a cute icon. So that was that was it. And I got uh, <laughs> I got some, like, marketing images created. I created my first press kit, um, put the website together, um, reached out to um, – bunch of different websites just saying like hey i created this okay rss app if you want to like look into it um and uh i launched it one day and then it started to take off which i was really really surprised with i got a nine to five mac article which did not expect and then an imore article uh the next day that's awesome or day after and then there were some other ones that were uh there was this German one, I think, that I translated that I had to read, which was super cool. So, like, it actually, like, got quite a few hits. And I'm like, this is actually, like, 
is the thing that I think I'm going to keep going with. So what I originally released was like, I just don't want this app to expire anymore. Is now an app that I regularly update and now kind of improving to make it not to to make it more than just the okayest, but still have the most okayest feel to it. That's great. That's really great. It's become this sort of ongoing, ongoing thing. It's fun to actually have an indie app out there where like I I can relate to indie apps and then also keep doing like automation around it to like be my own user of of all the tools and whatnot. Yeah, it's a win-win kind of combination at that point. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious. Have did have you um managed to make otter sustain itself sort of financially uh that's always a weird question because there isn't anything really to sustain besides my time yeah um that's one of the best parts of being uh uh a developer and a mobile developer is um you can make apps that don't cost anything to maintain besides your time and in 2018 i actually told myself that i any ideas that I wanted to start making, I wanted them to not have a a recurring cost to me. Yes. Um, because I didn't really have that much time to like keep keep those going. I didn't want to have to have an app that like needed to get paid. Yeah. Um so with an Otter RSS, like it was the perfect app idea that that fell into there because I I wanted to use iCloud, which was free. Um and I didn't have to really do anything. So like it is it is it is profitable for me, uh besides besides my time. Um but like nothing that I can like go go leave and work on full time. Um Yeah. But uh it is like a nice a nice little small trickle of uh coffee money, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds like I mean for a a side project that's going to probably remain a side project that's yep. that's ideal and and you know if that trickle can sort of cover things like your your developer license and those bits then oh yeah it does cover that perfect that's great i didn't i didn't think about that this is the first year where that will actually be uh not a loss to me yeah um and i think i think that's totally le- legit you know, especially when you're, oh, yeah, you're getting sure. that learning out of it. Yeah, I learned. I learned. So, I learned so much about Swift UI. I, I think every app I'm going to create from now on is going to be Swift UI. Uh, there's been a lot of talks about like is Swift UI production ready, and like my thought is, is is it can be if you want it to be. Yes. Like you can you can get something out there. You're going to get like a lot of stuff pretty easily or for free, but like if you want to make the app like your own, do some custom stuff. Like it is going to, it's going to take some, some time and a bunch of like blood, sweat and tears to like get everything exactly the way you want. Um, yeah. But I learned a lot about Swift UI and I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to UI kit unless like the, a client needs it or I, or whatever reason. Um, but I just find Swift UI super fun and powerful so going forward if i do create new side products or something like that um i got a lot to go off of yeah yeah it's funny you should say that actually i mean for for my day job everything is ui kit right now we'll, we'll do some swift ui okay. later on in the year uh but for side projects yeah anything i do is going to be swift ui 
just to, to because that's where the 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 fun new interest is for exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah, I'm uh I have a I didn't really I haven't really had many huge WWDC wishlist items the past few years. They've all been like fast lane related where like App Store connect API this, uh Xcode build tools that. But now I'm like I got a pretty big Swifty Y list of things I want to see. <laughs> um which is definitely going to make this dub dub a lot more fun cuz I I've more more uh extreme interest now into what's being presented. Oh, I'd be really keen to uh to read a blog post from you of that wish list at some uh, point. One of them is well, there's two three <laughs> big things. Uh one is the nope four. Uh <laughs> one is a uh pull the refresh on list and scroll view. Yeah. That is I've done like three different approaches. Uh in Otter 1.3 that's coming out. It has a new pull the refresh because the one I was using was only working on lists, but I had to rework Otter to use scroll views. Uh so I had to use a new other approach for pull the refresh and it works okay. Um I got it from another blog post somewhere. I didn't create it on my own cuz that was insane. <laughs> um another one is a swipeable cell yep. in a list slash scroll view. Um I think I added that in Otter 1.2. That was completely custom, which is the reason why I had to go to a scroll view and not a list view, I think for some reason. Um, probably with the gesture, and I end up using. I it was yeah yeah I think I think it was something like that. I don't even know, but it was I I got way deep. I found somebody's blog post that like added a swipeable cell, which got me pretty far with like kind of the idea, but it was like pretty like hard coded into the row, and I needed something that was reusable, um, and allowed me to dynamically change. If like the the item was uh, red, unread, favorited, favorited, um, and if if I'm gonna offer like options to change what what the swipeable buttons are, I wanted to make it easy. So I ended up creating a, an extreme custom view modifier uh, that added this swipeable to uh, a view, um, and it's super easy to use. I really like the API I ended up with, yep. but the process I had to do to actually get this thing to work and look proper is insane. Um, there's uh, some there's a Z stack with uh, a hidden view so that I could calculate height properly uh, for a thing. Um, yeah, uh, the, the 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 view modifier has multiple layers of views because i need to have state inside of the view modifier for like the buttons yeah and i ended up doing that by having a view that sets an environment variable so it passes that to its child view so like it's it's remember the views remembering its state by an environment okay uh that's that's passed i don't i i do have a, uh, a talk about this um i'm giving a talk at swift heroes in april on view modifiers because I learned so much just in this swipeable cell thing. Um, so that talk is will actually cover some of uh, what I did. Yeah. But uh, after that, I will also be having a blog post that kind of explains some of what I did. Really um, but it was, it was insane. I'm like, this should just be a thing that's built in. And then uh, the, the whole like sidebar, custom navigation sidebar, three column layout thing. 
that is built into SwiftUI is super nice, but you don't really have the flexibility of like having different widths of the columns and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so in Otter 1.3, I created my own uh, split view slash try view that allows resizing, uh, which a lot of my users wanted, especially on Mac. Um, so that one was actually surprisingly easy to, to do. Um, but that's another thing I want on my wish list is, a a built in column view that you can change the sizes easier and like show which views you want open. Um, where right now it kind of, the Swift UI view kind of controls what's shown by default. Right. So hoping WWDC 21 has, uh, some of those things. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really looking forward to uh to your talk and your um subsequent blog post as well about those swipeable cells. Yeah, I'm super excited to put this one together cuz uh I I think I spent like 2 days just trying to figure out how to get the view modifier to behave the way I wanted with this state and all this stuff. So it's going to be like it 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 might be technically wrong. Um, it could probably be technically better, but I kind of want to go through like my thought process of how I got to the point of where I did. Really looking forward to that one. Josh, b- before we go, uh, just to sort of yes. finish up here, um, where can people find you online? Like what's your, your main website, Twitter handle? Uh, so my Twitter handle is Josh D. Holtz. And then uh, GitHub is the same thing. Uh, Josh D. Holtz, and then my website is actually joshholtz.com. I'm not sure why. I also own joshdholtz.com, but uh, the website always felt better to be Josh Holtz, but it is a little slightly off-brand. But uh, my website can also be linked from my Twitter bio. So Twitter is probably the best place to find me and see what I'm all up to. Awesome. Well, I'll I'll link all of that up in the show notes and everything. So uh... Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show, Josh. It's It's been awesome talking to you. Thanks for having me. This has been uh, super fun. <laughs>